You can always remember the bad ones. <laughs> Ask him to sing out one of our more popular songs, he'll stumble. Um, so it was, it, was sho- it was pretty shocking. And, and Cameron flew down with Tim Rice and, and Biddy Hayward, who was a friend of ours who used to look after Lloyd Webber. And Cameron, to his credit, said, now boys, you're 60% there, 40% needs rewriting. Go off and have a holiday and, um, and come back and rewrite it. And we went off and had a holiday. And what he really meant was about 10% of the show was right. <laughs> but he knew that as young writers, if he'd said that to us, we would probably have abandoned it. We might have given up writing. Probably together. should have abandoned it and written something else rather than gone round and round like the washing machine. We couldn't get but out we of the did. I mean, And it was, a, it, it actually it did become a problem in the end. The amount of time we spent rewriting it, I mean, people say, how many shows have you and this one took about 18 years. And although we did some other things, it was always... Well, some other things, right? But this was always there as a constant. And this, was the, this seemed to be the show that was defining us because it was the one that Cameron had done. And he then um, persuaded the Watermill Theatre under the late Jill Fraser to, to do his first proper professional production. And he asked uh, Julia McKenzie to direct it, Mark Thompson to design it, Lee Anderson, who has the Chummies and the Fan Shorts dance group, to choreograph it, and it was it was really interesting. But halfway through the writing process, again we we went off on a tangent, and we wrote a not bad act one and a shocking act two. So at least the the percentage was going up a bit. We're like fifty percent good now. Um, and there was something about the show that we couldn't let go, and the, the Cameron couldn't let go. And so the following year, he he invited Mike Ockram, the, the late Mike Ockram, um, to come and see the show in in um, in the Watermill. And Sondheim came, and he gave us his notes, and you know we, we were getting an awful lot of feedback, and we were we were responding to a lot of what they call bar talk, when everybody has an opinion, you you sort of try and tick every box by pleasing everybody, you end up with a bit of a mishmash. Mm. So Mike Ockman came and saw it, and then in 1990 he directed a production at the Tricycle Theatre um, with Anthony Van Last choreographing it, and with Kendra Ulliard designing it, and and again it, it sort of got a bit closer, and it was sort of destined at the time to go into the Wyndhams. If, if, if it had been a triumph, it would have moved into the Wyndhams. And it wasn't a triumph, because it didn't get great reviews, as my younger sister loves to quote back. This <laughs> is worse than him. She, she, she'll remember all the bad titles. Down in the jungle where nothing stirs. Just so what? <laughs> Things like that. Um, there was a lot of positive, and there was a lot of good things about the show. There's no doubt about that. It was, it was good enough to make us really feel like we were close. But that's, that's nothing more frustrating than being the nearly men, mm. you know. It, it's just, it drives you nuts. And at this point, people like Nick Heitner, who came and saw it, and, and Mark Thompson, the designer, were saying, boys, leave it now. Write something else. <laughs> and that's exactly what we intended to do. And then the following year, Cameron, who by doing it at the Tricycle, had then acquired the show, you know, the, the grand rights mm. the show. Um, about a year later, he said, boys, I've got some great news. Steven Spielberg wants to make an animated version of, of Just So. So we suddenly had a reason, a real positive reason as to why to revisit it again. And it was actually in that revisitation that we came up with the idea of the crab playing with the sea as this big baddie character, which is affecting all of the animals. He keeps flooding the lands, the elephants have to move to higher ground. And the elephant child then questions, why do we have to move to higher ground? The, when, when the crab rises up out of the water, it's out of the water, it sucks the water away from the land and there's drought. When he submerges himself it floods the land again. A, you know, there, was a, there was a common evil that was affecting everybody and it's only our little it became a David and Goliath story. For the first time it became a proper David and Goliath story with the elephant's child having the, the gumption 
to go and ask the crowd to please stop doing this <laughs> because it's really pissing everyone off. Um, I mean, it's interesting, isn't it? When I look back at it now, I think when you compare it to Cats, there isn't much narrative thrust mm. to Cats, and we made the mistake of having too much mm. Mm. and needing to then, if we were going to have as much narrative as we did, make it better. It's got to be a good narrative. You can have, I'm not saying the Cats narrative is crap, but it's little. Mm. It's very little. And, but it's enough to propel the evening, and it's enough to propel all the people who worked on it to direct the scenes and the numbers and the, build the music in the right way to make it a fantastic night out. And we, we fell between two stools, I think, when I look back. Mm -hmm. we, were, we were neither that kind of a, a dance show that didn't need all, ever so much going on, mm -hmm. but a, a bit of T.S. Eliot and some, and some fantastic tunes to drive you through. We were trying to be a musical comedy, and we, we sort of all, by the time of the tricycle, we realised that's what we really wanted to do. We wanted to write a proper musical comedy, which is what we then set out and did with Honk, mm -hmm. and got the whole thing out of our system. Of, well, not entirely out of our mm -hmm. system. But wait a bit, wait a bit went in for the tricycle, and it was definitely one of the reasons that the show was seen as having kind of almost got there, because mm -hmm. the, song, the song has been sung by many, many people, which is, I think, why you've asked us to look at it a bit more today. What, so the, song that went, the song that went before, the Some Things Never Change, mm. when did you decide to replace that? What was the impetus? It was just, I felt it didn't ever I, quite get going musically. Yeah. It, was, it was quite a pretty ballad, and, and the, the, the idea was right, Some Things Never Change, but it, what it wasn't doing was addressing the fact that we wanted it to fly. It was saying, I don't fly, and some things don't change, and that's how I'm going to be. So it didn't actually put her at the centre of the drama. What Wait a Bit did was, A, because you meet her as a, had we ever made the movie, which didn't happen, we talked about Bette Midler as being the voice of the Cola Cola Bird. We wanted a wise-cracking, sort of Jewish sense of humour, who always has an answer, but it's basically an answer that's covering up her own insecurities. So she lives in this Wait a Bit Thornbush, and she's quite happy to pass the time of day by commenting on people as they walk past, and accumulating, you know, she's like Doc Cotton, but instead of a laundrette, she's sitting in a bush. She knows all the gossip that's going on in the village, and she's got the answers to everything. If you have a point to ask her a question, that's the person to go to. So that's why the illustration shakes her out of the bush, she falls to the ground, she can't fly, it goes sort of unnoticed at the beginning by the elephant's child. They're put in a boat initially to sail um, off on the beginning of their journey before they get to the uninhabited island. And it's only later that the elephant says, hang on a minute, you're a bird. Why don't you fly? And she says, you ask too many silly questions. Again, as a, as a means of shutting him up. But eventually, she starts to learn that she's actually rather enjoying being shaken out of her bush. It sounds terrible, doesn't it? Being shaken out of her <laughs> bush and sent on a journey. Um, because she's kind of gaining in confidence as she goes on this journey with the elephant's child. Because he's so go-getter. And her instant reaction to every situation is, well, wait a bit, wait a bit. Mm. Just make sure it's not dangerous. Wait mm. a bit. Mm. You don't even know what a leopard looks like yet. Mm. Things like that. So the, oh, she's yeah. realising she's getting out. It's, it's becoming a symbiotic relationship mm. the further you get into the show. Yeah, the reverse of Dorian Marlin from Finding Nemo suddenly strikes me. Uh, <laughs> it is, it is. Exactly that. Exactly that. Um, and it gets to a point where the elephant's child thinks she's useless because they've got lost. And so he's beginning to get a bit arrogant. And he runs off on his own and leaves her behind. And that's when she reflects on the fact, actually... I was rather enjoying it, although I would never tell him that to his face, um, which is what comes out at the end of Wait a Bit. Um, he made me feel I could soar. Um, now only one thing seems sure, I'll have to wait a bit more. So the Wait a Bit then becomes slightly more, I'm waiting for a companion, or I'm waiting for 
she knows there's something that she's dipping out on. Mm. But and I, but, but the, so the show went in. The, the song went in um, when Lindsay Hately went into the show. She was the first one to sing it, and it was it was the first show she'd done after Carrie, which had opened I think the year before we, we opened at the Tricycle Theatre. And it's sort of it's become one of those songs like Does the Moment Ever Come, which gets sung a lot in auditions because it sort of tells its own little story within the song. And certainly when I've directed it, which has been um, I've done it twice, once in. Massachusetts and once at Chichester in 2004, which is when we finally said, that's the show now, let's put it out into the big wide world. It's a really nice piece to, to direct, this song, because you have a whole story to tell for the actress and you sort of get into her head at the moment when she's standing on the edge, waiting to fledge. It's a very handy rhyme for me. Mm. And she watches all her brothers and sisters as they, as they fly and she can't do it. She steps back and you get this wonderful bit of the instrumental when you sort of feel for her because she can't fly. But then of course, when the elephant child gets caught by the crocodile and she has climbed back up a tree for safety, we realize that the only way she can get to him is if she flies. So it's our big sort of special effect in the show is when she actually flies and it's ungainly and it's scary. That was the whole point of the work. When I directed it, I wanted to look as if she's falling. Yes. So she, she jumped off a ledge and she went down like that into the vom at Chichester and then flaps her wings frantically and she comes up, up, up and then she, then she swoops down. And even then, when, when the elephant child realises that she's saved him, and, and, she, she, and he says to her, Kola Kola, you flew. And she said, oh, come off it. I, I fell with style. <laughs> she